Hello, 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 and welcome to the Kingston Curator here on CFRC 101.9 FM. The Curator is your weekly arts and culture news program, bringing you the latest and most intriguing in local creative pursuits. My name is Lauren Tucker, and I'm very happy to be your host, teaming up with our outreach coordinator, Mary McKetty. On this program, we'll be featuring arts headlines, interviews, and of course, our live music calendar all throughout the summer. This week, we're diving into our coverage of the upcoming Skeleton Park Arts Festival with interviews with indie rock band Casador and artistic director Greg Tilson about what you can look forward to at this long-running community-driven festival. Plus, Kingston is spoiled for choice of amazing events this upcoming Pride weekend, and Mary sat down with Kingston's very own Queen of Wheat, Rowena Way, in anticipation of her Pride Drag Brunch event this Sunday. Mary also brings us a conversation with Tyler of the electrifying act Dwayne Gretzky, who you can catch at the McKinnon Brothers Brewery tomorrow night. Plus, we keep the spring reverb excitement and accomplishment going with a retrospective interview with alt-pop singer-songwriter Vicky Minor, who is now on her mini Ontario tour. We've got all that and more coming throughout the hour, but first, let's get to your headlines for the week. Hydra, the Spirit of Water, by the local Calliope Collective, performs tonight and tomorrow night on site at the Kingston Mills at 7pm. This unique multi-arts piece is free to attend and features circus art, music, and giant puppets on floating installations to explore the relationship between the community and the water in what is sure to be an amazing evening. For more information on performers, transportation to Kingston Mills, and donations to Calliope Collective, you can visit calliopecollective.com hydra. Be sure not to miss this unforgettable event. The Tet Center solo exhibition Awakening by creativity studio artist at the Tet Penyuang Wang opens today and runs until the 22nd in two parts. From June 16th to 20th, the exhibition will feature large oil paintings, and from the 21st to the 22nd, it will feature small watercolor and mineral paintings. The exhibition is free to attend, and full show hours are available at tetcenter.org events. Additionally, Wang will be giving a talk about the exhibition on June 20th from 6.30 to 7.30, for which admission is pay which you can, and a workshop on brush, rice paper, and ink on June 21st from 6.30 to 7.30, for which admission is on the pay which you can scale from $0 to $20 with materials included. Both events are for ages 15 and up, and you can check out all of the details and register at tedcenter.org events. Also at the TED, stop by on this upcoming Monday, June 19th for a 6 to 8 p.m. workshop with painter Alex Lowe, Watercolor Water Lilies, Expressions of Monet. This watercolor workshop will offer the ability to learn watercolor from the work of Monet. It is beginner-friendly for ages 14 and up, and admission starts at $30 with materials included, although you are welcome to bring your own. Visit tetcenter.org events to register now. On Tuesday, June 20th, the Thousand Island Blues Cruise Fundraiser sets sail on the Island Queen from 6.30 to 9.30, featuring fantastic water and island views and two sets of blues led by the legendary Kenny Blues Boss Wayne. Tickets are still available for this fantastic evening, starting at $140 plus tax, which contributes in part directly to the local Kingston Food Bank. To grab your spot for this fantastic charitable evening, visit choosetheblues.ca to get your tickets now. And in nationwide arts news, Canada's original 2SLGBTQ plus film festival, Imagination, will be hosting its fourth annual Queer Short Film Fest. The original festival is in its 36th year, and as an organization, they aim to amplify queer voices in film. Thus, this event is as accessible as possible. It can be streamed online on a pay-what-you-can basis or for free from the 22nd to 25th of June. 
Keep your ears on the Kingston Curator next week for an interview with Charlie Boudreaux, Executive Director of the Festival, and visit fcqsff.image-nation.org for tickets and more information. Kingston Pride continues this weekend with the main parade making its way from Memorial Center to City Hall starting at noon on Saturday. In the meantime, you can catch a community fair with performances and a beer garden from 11 to 6 in Confederation Park, a drag story time event at Market Square Theatre from 10.30 to 11.30 a.m., and you can end off the night with a Pride in the Square all-ages DJ, concert, and drag event from 7 to 10 p.m., and that is all on June 17th, this Saturday. To learn more about this upcoming Pride weekend, you can visit kingstonpride.ca slash events. Wrapping up the festivities for this year is a Pride Drag Brunch at the Wharf and Feather this coming Sunday morning, featuring Kingston's own drag performer and activist, Rowena Way. Here's Mary McKetty with Rowena on CFRC. Today, Kingston's very own Queen of Wheat, Rowena Way, hops on call to discuss drag, Pride, and some of this week's Pride celebrations, including her show at Pride Drag Brunch this Sunday. Rowena is a drag entertainer, activist, host, and drag show promoter known across Ontario for her sass, camp, choreography, and unbridled sexuality. I'm really excited to get to interview her. Thank you so much for coming on air with me today. I wanted to start off with a little bit about you, so I wanted to know um, how did you first get into drag and where did your title Queen of Wheat come from? So I actually started drag on a dare. I was dared to dress up as Snow White for <laughs> Halloween one year and I don't do anything halfway mm-hmm. so I went out and I bought like $500 worth of makeup and I practiced for a month and I spent 14 hours in drag wow. and realized that I absolutely love the process and the transformation and I performed for the first time uh, four months later. Wow, that's really exciting, especially like the commitment that you first gave into like the dare, pretty telling of where your career was going to go from there, right? I mean, at the time, I had no idea. I, it was very much just uh, I wanted an art form mm. uh, to work on because I was doing my master's and I was very much kind of like out of the art world. Okay. Um, and I'm very much like a, a musical, dramatic, like performance kind of person and it was a great opportunity to get that back yeah for sure especially to be able to kind of reclaim your place within the art scene must have been very meaningful to you it was it was fantastic and i haven't looked back since so Mm -hmm. i mean it's uh it's only gotten bigger and more involved in my life which eventually led to queen of wheat uh which after moving back to kingston because i'm from kingston Mm -hmm. uh, after moving back to kingston from edmonton I was doing shows and the events manager at Spearhead reached out to me and asked to do a Valentine's Day show, which we called Love is a Drag. Mm -hmm. And we decided to make it all ages so that people could bring their kids and their families to come and like experience the show because there weren't a lot of all ages shows in Kingston. Mm And so we did this show, and I hosted it and brought in a couple special guests. Uh, Isis Couture, the winner of Canada's Drag Race Season 2, mm-hmm. um, was one of them before she was really big. But the president of the company was there, and he saw these two children in the front row, so a 12-year-old trans boy and their brother, and how much they were loving the show and how much they were enjoying it. And he talked to them afterwards mm-hmm. and just through them realized how important an impact it was to be supporting the queer community and to be supporting these opportunities for young people to be able to see queer individuals being themselves on stage 
and exactly. out in public. And he was inspired to create the beer, Queen of Weeds. And they asked me to be on the beer can um, because I was the one who inspired the performances that inspired the beer. That story is its very impactful. The fact that your title came from um, a particular situation where children were able to see themselves represented by someone like you and the Spearhead Brewing Company president. The fact that he was able to recognize that within what you were doing is extremely meaningful and it can be spread across the community as well since Spearhead and you are both locally based. So it's very impactful for children and just anyone in the queer community here, but also since you are the first drag queen to be featured on an alcohol brand, right, in Canada? So I'm the first drag queen to be featured on an alcohol brand sold in the LCBO. Okay. I was the first one to be pictured on the can, uh, on the product in Canada which I think is pretty cool. The artist Jimbo had a beer in BC before I did, but she wasn't actually on the can. So oh, okay. the first one to be pictured on a piece of alcohol in Canada. And that is really cool. I think it's I think it's cool. I mean, I go into stores and I see my face in cartoon form mm-hmm. uh, all across Ontario, and people are constantly sending me photos of the cans and them drinking it. And it's really cool to see that I've had this impact and that people are continuing to experience it. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of relates to something I wanted to get into next. We've talked um, a little bit about it just now. You're obviously not just a drag entertainer and promoter. You're also an activist and I presume that this would relate to activism, not just for drag artists, but also minorities such as the LGBTQIA2S plus community. I would like to know, um, what does drag mean to you as an art form or just within your life? So drag as an art form for me is playing with gender expression. Mm-hmm. And it was put best, I think, that gender is a construct. Mm-hmm. It's a societal representation of who we are and who we portray to people. And in North America, especially in, in Western societies, we've had this focus on there being a binary. There's male and female, but that's not the way it is in most cultures around the world. Many have standard genders that go beyond the binary. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to me to be able to show that even though when I'm not in drag, I am a cis man, I am able to represent other genders and I'm able to understand and portray that just because I'm male doesn't mean that I can't also have these influences. And there are also so many other people who are not male, who are not female, who need to have some opportunity to explore who they are. And maybe they do drag in order to explore their gender. Um, But also, drag has been used in the history of art and performance for thousands of years. Exactly. Through many different cultures. And it's not going away. So it's better that we embrace it and we, we enjoy this poking fun at this societal norm that really doesn't need to be in existence. Exactly. I think you put that really well, uh, especially for how we view things in the Western world. Things shouldn't be binaried. And the fact that drag is an art of expression and also a poke at the what we perceive to be a gendered binary, which you um, yourself and other drag queens in our community and just everywhere use to kind of poke that fun at the binary because that's not something that is true since there are so many different kinds of people all around and drag as an art form can allow us to understand that better. And especially not just during Pride Month, of course, this is something that matters like year round, but during Pride Month specifically, when um, people pay more attention to these kinds of things, it can really bring attention to the fact that gender is a binary and that the queer community needs this kind of representation for itself, for other people and themselves. It's totally true. And in Pride Month, it's just everything's more visible. Mm -hmm. And so it's even more important to us 
for us to be louder about it and to make sure that people are able to see that it's okay. Exactly. And to be able to see that we're just all people, regardless of our genders and sexualities, but some people are just slightly different than you, and that's okay. Yeah, of course. It should be seen that it's okay as well, which during Pride Month, it's like you said, it's much more visible, but just year round too, like people need to know that it's okay, and being different is, of course, that should never be an issue. And it's important to have that represented by people like you. I completely agree. So we were just talking about drag and um, drag expression and all of these um, different kinds of important topics to relate to um, expression. So you and a few other um, really talented drag artists are you're going to host the Pride Drag Brunch this Sunday, which is really exciting. And I wanted to know um, what you are most looking forward to at the Pride Brunch. Shenanigans. (laughs) Shenanigans. Absolutely. I love Drag Brunch. It's one of my favorite things. Although getting into drag at 8 in the morning is not one of my favorite things. (laughs) I just, I really enjoy the atmosphere of the Pride Brunch because in my in my terms, I call Pride Brunch gay church mm-hmm. because it usually takes place on a Sunday and it's where all of the people who are supporting the queer community or part of the queer community can come out and they can confess all the things that they did the night before during Pride mm-hmm. uh, to their friends over mimosas in a safe space where a drag performer might just pick fun at you. <laughs> and I, I really enjoy it. It's just this happy, warm environment with mimosas. Mm-hmm. Mimosas are always a plus for this. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah, and I like that term, gay church, like, absolutely, just like what you've done the night before, you can just come and enjoy it with everyone else and get to talk about it, and also um, maybe get poked fun at by some drag queens, like, who, who wouldn't want that? On the note about Pride events, I wanted to know if there are any other Pride events that you are planning to go to this weekend, and if you are, would you re- what would you recommend that your fans and our listeners should head out for? Well, I personally will be performing at the Pride in the Square event that happens Saturday night. Okay. Uh, it is is the first event of its kind for Kingston Pride. It's an all-ages outdoor dance party and drag show mm-hmm. um, featuring one of the stars of Canada's Drag Race, Suki Doll, and mm-hmm. I'll be hosting that. So everyone can come out to that. It is all-ages, so families can bring their kids. It doesn't start till 7 p.m., so I mean bedtime, but also <laughs> it's Pride. Let them stay up a little later. Just a little. Just a little. Um, and then, of course, Come out to the parade. I will be there, just not in drag. It's the one opportunity that we have during the year to really just showcase our joy and our love of being who we are and the chance for the whole community to come out and support that. So come out to the parade. Starts at noon on Saturday down Princess Street. Please come out to the Pride Parade. Please come out to any Pride events that you're able to attend. It's going to be a really great weekend. There are many other Pride events everyone's going to be at. So I really hope that everyone comes to see you and really comes out to support the community because like we've talked about through this interview, drag and other kinds of expression and just being able to celebrate Pride in any kind of way at the time where it's most visible is deeply impactful and deeply meaningful. So um, this has been Rowena Way, the Queen of Wheat. I really want to thank you so much for um, spending the time to talk with me today. I know you're really busy, so... I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I've had a great time. Me too. This has been a lot of fun. And happy Pride. Happy Pride. Thank you so much again to Rowena Way for calling in. Please make sure to see Rowena, Van Gogh, and Mimiosa for Pride Drag Brunch this Sunday, June 18th from 12 to 2 p.m. at the Wharf and Feather, located at 2 Princess Street.
This all ages show sees doors open at 11.30am and you can purchase your tickets online for $40 at eventbrite.ca and that's e-v-e-n-t-b-r-i-t-e dot c-a. If you're looking for more from Rowena Way, you can check out her Instagram and Twitter at Rowena Way, her Facebook at Rowena Way, and her website at RowenaWay.com. Her name is spelled R-O-W-E-N-A W-H-E-Y for all searches. Don't touch that dial because we've got more coming up next here on Kingston Curator. We hope you have a great time at Kingston Prive this weekend, and we have your live music lineup coming up in just a bit. But first, alt-pop singer-songwriter Vicki Minor joined us for an interview about her ongoing tour of Ontario, settling down in the Toronto music scene, and a look back at her spring reverb performance. Check it out. We're here with alt-pop singer-songwriter Vicky Miner on 101.9 FM CFRC chatting post-spring reverb and on her mini Ontario tour. How are you doing today, Vicky? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm just so excited to have you in uh, in with us today after Spring Reverb and everything and having you in Kingston. So it's great to have you here. And I wanted to start off by saying I'm in love with the 90s and the Y2K style that you brought to the festival, your music, your look. What's inspiring to you about bringing those aesthetics and eras uh, to your music and into your art now? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you to say. Um, I think especially because uh, I was born in 99 and like grew up in the Y2K era. And the music I grew up listening to was very 90s because my mom was like teen, early 20s in the 90s. So um, that's always been like huge, huge inspiration for me. And um, I think those eras are just so amazing. And there's a reason why in like fashion and stuff like that, they're they're kind of coming back too but i think the the authenticity um of that era and the music that came out of it um that's kind of and like how different 90 the 90s music was even throughout the entire 90s and then y2k um and kind of splicing that together to have like the poppy fun of y2k but also like the like deep emotional stuff from the 90s is something I, I really wanted to kind of kind of tap into. So yeah, that's where that kind of came from. That's so interesting to hear you comment on. Yeah, I'm kind of I was a kid in a, a similar time. And it just it makes me really happy to see that kind of thing. Having a resurgence and having maybe a little bit of a renaissance in the way with our, our modern sensibilities that we have now. So um, as I understand it, for a while you were uh, making your music, putting out your music under the name Valors, and mm-hmm. the change to Vicky Minor is a relatively new evolution for you. So kind of congrats on that step. And um, can I ask you what your process and the growth was in moving into this new name and, and the new sound? Thank you so much. Yeah, I, <clears throat> oh man, this might sound really pretentious, but I really do feel like I was Vicky Minor before I changed the name. Right. And even decided on the name. Um, Valor was something I came up with when I was making music, like during like COVID and still finding myself and just kind of uh, figuring out what I wanted to be in uh, in music. And I think it wasn't until I, I, without even realizing it just tapped in more to my influences of the 90s and 2000s that I really felt like myself and so like my first live performance was crazy because it was like on the like huge main stage um at the Saskatchewan Jazz Festival the same uh the same year and same stage as like the Sheepdogs oh my gosh um, and Terlightfoot so that was like crazy 
And uh, that first performance, uh, I was with my mom and we were planning the outfit. Because the outfit, you know, you always like, it's like day to day too. You just want to wear something that you feel like um, that day and who you want to kind of show yourself as. And so it was like, okay, what about like ripped white tank, like pleather skirt, tights, and then my docks. And I was like, this is perfect. And going on stage, I was just, I, <laughs> I was moving around. I was jumping in front of the monitors. I was like, just kind of going pretty rock. And my music was still kind of in that poppy sound, but I had released my song, Whatever That Means, which had a bit more of that, that um, the singers, the songwriting uh, styles of the 90s a bit more. And um, I, I was feeling way more like myself performing like that. And I was like, yeah, like I think I want to kind of kind of be this a bit more and this felt it felt way more like me and I had also just watched No Doubt's uh, performance on tour okay their, like Tragic Kingdom tour from like 95 and it was and like Shirley MacLaine from Garbage I was like watching all of those videos before my performance and I was like really just digging the performance of the 90s too and and yeah, yeah. And then, so vicky minor is definitely just a new name but it's been who i am for like i think i think it's always been who i am and then yeah. finally finally become finally letting that out that's awesome that's a really great insight i was just curious about that and i think it's it's so <laughs> awesome to watch people go on on an evolution kind of throughout uh their career at different stages so as we let folks know um off of the top of this interview here, I understand that you're on your mini Ontario tour right now, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that kicked off with Spring Reverb in Kingston, right? Yes, it did. It was the best way to start it. Oh, that's awesome. We were so happy to have you here. I was curious, had you played Kingston before? No, I had never even been to Kingston before, and I fell in love, like, immediately. <laughs> we we were really happy to have you. Yeah, I agree. I'm also, um, I'm, I'm also only have lived here the past couple years, and it's definitely pretty easy to fall in love with around here. So what was your weekend at the festival like? Was it, what was it like working on, with those other folks on the bill, Noel and Ryland James? Oh my gosh, it was such a treat. It was really, really cool, like, to be a part of that community um so i'm originally from saskatoon saskatchewan i just moved to toronto in january so i and going to kingston it felt very similar to my home city okay. um with that really proud community like it might be a, a bit of a smaller music community but it's a proud one right. and it reminded me a lot of my home city so it was very nostalgic actually and 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 I felt very at home and um everyone was just so accepting and you could go up to anyone and start talking with them and getting the opportunity to not only be on the bill with Noel and Ryland James you could tell are so beloved but getting to perform at the Broom Factory which had just been renovated after it being threatened for being torn down and getting getting to perform an all ages show as well so bringing right. people who like aren't able to go to clubs and stuff out to enjoy music was like so wonderful and especially because that was my first show as Vicky Minor. that was oh. my first show after moving to Ontario so it really was just a big deal show and it couldn't have gone better in my opinion so I'm very grateful 
Oh, that's fantastic. That sounds like a really special opportunity there. I didn't realize that that had been your first show as Vicki Minor, but that's really, yeah. that's really fantastic. Um, yeah, so you talked about being Saskatoon based previously and now being in Ontario for touring and, and visiting all these different cities in Ontario. Is there something that you've enjoyed in particular or something you find different about the scene here than um, maybe what you were previously used to? Yeah, well, I I mean, it's definitely bigger, um, just on, like, a global scale. Like, opportunities are m- more accessible in a way, or I guess just, like, thought to be more. Like, it's kind of just like, oh, yeah, like, well, you're in Toronto, so, like, there's all these venues, and everyone's yeah. performing, like, every weekend, and it's so cool. Um, and, like, being in Kingston, um, having that, like, really kind atmosphere, man, and, like, I think in everywhere, and I haven't been to too many places yet in Ontario too, so which is great. So only getting started, but there's also just so many little like like hidden away secret places. Like yeah. I um, like there's just like little record stores and little shops and and stuff, and like you can kind of just walk around and enjoy your day just by experiencing it. Um, which I really, really, really love. Um, and like you can grab a book and sit in a coffee shop or walk around or sit at a park. Um, and uh, like also being a part of the music community and being a part of the arts community in general, like people are wanting to know what you're doing and yeah. and we all want to share what we love. Is there something uh, in particular that you're looking forward to in terms of maybe a new project, an upcoming show, anything like that? Yeah, well, I mean... Um, my show tomorrow, uh, Saturday, Tall Pines, um, in <laughs> is kind of insane. Actually, I was, I went to a local, uh, record store in Kingston, um, and it was awesome. And I found a blue rodeo tape for super cheap and I'm performing the same day as them. Oh, um, wow. Pines, so <laughs> that was pretty crazy. And I am working on some new music with some new producers as well. So that is a big deal for me and I'm really really excited to continue this sound that I've developed and um possibly put on an EP in the fall oh Uh, awesome so yeah (laughs) new stuff um new creations in a new city um it's all it's all really exciting that's fantastic to hear. Thank you so much for being here, Vicky. Uh, listeners, you can check out Vicky's Instagram at Vicky Miners World for all of the latest. And if you're in the Gravenhurst area, you can catch her at Tall Pines Music Festival tomorrow, June 17th. Again, Vicky, so great to have you here in Kingston and on CFRC. Best of luck. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Lauren. We've got even more on live music coming up, so I'm going to pass it over to Mary McKetty for this week's live music calendar, an interview with Tyler of Dwayne Gretzky and Skeleton Park performers Casador. Take a listen. For today's live music lineup, I'll be highlighting some performances you can catch starting tonight, June 16th, until Wednesday, June 21st, from amazing artists like Cacao, Turpin's Trail, Big Tobacco and the Pickers, the Dave Moat Trio, Nolan Hubbard, the Kim Pollard Band, and Digging Roots. 
Stay tuned because you don't want to miss these details. Tonight, June 16th, your favorite Psychedelifunk artists, Kakao, Matt Almeida, Hartman, and Dupel are live from 7 to 11 p.m. at Music Key, located at 73 Brock Street. Come join in a funkadelically charged night of electronic dance music, all for free. Head over to kingstonlive.ca for more information. Also happening tonight, Turbans Trail hosts Bloomsday with Chris Murphy and John McClurg from 7.30 to 11 p.m. at the Royal Canadian Horse Artillery Club, located at 193 Ontario Street. Bloomsday celebrates the life of famous Irish writer James Joyce with readings from his greatest novel Ulysses and performances from Irish folk club dancers. You can purchase your tickets for $15 over the phone at 613-542-8152 or at the door before the show. Check out kingstonlive.ca for more information. This Saturday, June 17th and Sunday, June 18th, stop by Hotel Wolf Island located at 1237 County Road 96 for the 6th annual Wolf Island Garden Party. First up on Saturday, Big Tobacco and the Pickers bring you a new brand of old school country music music from 2 to 5 p.m. Next up on Sunday, the Dave Moat Trio performed traditional Delta and Chicago blues for an Indigenous Artist Showcase from 3 to 5 p.m. Both shows are free to attend and more information can be found on hotelwolfisland.com events. Be sure to check Wolf Island Fairy Times on yferry.ca and that's wiferry.ca. Next Monday, June 19th, catch Nolan Hubbard live from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Bank Gastro Bar located at 225 King Street East. The self-taught singer-songwriter is known across the Canadian club scene and you can see him for free as part of the Courtyard Concert Series. More information is available online at kingstonlive.ca. Coming up on Tuesday, June 20th, Downtown Kingston presents the first Music in the Park show of 2023. From 12.30 to 1.30 p.m., stop by Confederation Park, which is right across from City Hall at 216 Ontario Street, to see the Kim Pollard Band live for free. More information is available at downtownkingston.ca. Your last live music feature is presented by the Kingston Indigenous Languages Nest and various organizations who bring you Juno award-winning band Digging Roots. Next Wednesday, June 21st, you're invited to end off National Indigenous Peoples Day with Digging Roots, who bring you an evening of music, dancing, and healing starting at 7 p.m. at Richardson Memorial Stadium, located at 366 Hargreaves Way. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. and you can register for their all-ages free show online at eventbrite.ca. And that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot C-A. For more information, please contact Kingston Indigenous Languages Nest via email at kingstonindigenouslanguages at gmail.com or call 613-544-3065. That's all I've got for you on Live Music Lineup on this week's episode of Kingston Curator, but keep on listening because we've got more coming up next. In this interview, I'm here with Tyler from the Toronto-based band Dwayne Gretzky. Dwayne Gretzky is a 10-piece pop rock sensation known for their faithful covers of over 600 classic songs, ranging from Fleetwood Mac to Fatboy Slim. With over 10 years in the industry, their fanbase continues to grow through the strength of their live show. Today, Tyler is calling in to talk about Dwayne Gretzky and their upcoming performance at the McKinnon Brothers Brewing Company. Thank you so much for being here with me today. So, for my first question uh, for you today, I wanted to ask, how did your band first form? Uh, we formed back in 2010 when lots of us were playing in uh, original bands and we would get together sort of in the evenings and hang out and started jamming songs we loved and everyone would kind of switch places and I'd go from the drums to the guitar and sing and it was just a good time and before we knew it we had developed a bit of a repertoire of songs that we felt we really connected with and we loved and so we started you know trying to find opportunities for that group of musicians to go out and just play those songs for fun and 13 years later we're still playing and 
uh, it's what we love to do. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, especially since it's like a group of people that you know, and you just kind of like brought yourselves together and realized like, hey, we could actually do something like with what we're doing right now. That sounds really nice. Okay, so for my second question for you, I wanted to ask, since your band does a lot of covers of very popular classic songs, what makes your band um, stand out or unique from other types of bands who cover um, popular classic music? I guess it's a good question. Sometimes I don't really know. I, I guess because we have a big band, we're able to cover most of the parts. So we are trying to bring those parts to life and, and like celebrate those parts in a way that can connect the, the listener with their own feeling of the song. You know, everyone has their own relationship with these songs. It might remind them of a, of a summer or a specific time in their life. And if we can kind of capture enough of the details that puts that listener into that place where they're they're feeling and remembering uh, parts of their life through the power of just hearing the song, that's something that we really strive for. And I guess lots of cover bands do that. I guess we just, we have a bigger group and, and we're able to cover more of the details. Note about the fact that you want to connect the listeners with the songs that you're playing and the way that you play them. I think that's very meaningful to give to your audience, especially since you've got a show coming up this weekend, which um, we'll talk about a bit later. But to give your listeners who you know are obviously very connected to the songs, whatever you might be playing, the chance to experience your band's take on it and give them that kind of experience from it that is very meaningful, it sounds like. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Yeah, so like we just mentioned, you um, cover classic music, popular classic music, and you've been doing it for 13 years now. So I wanted to ask uh, what you, uh, what made you and your bandmates decide to create a full-length album that features certain covers that you've done? We were looking for other opportunities, things we could do to be creative in the studio, and I forget exactly how it started, but someone was like, oh, could you do like a reinterpreted cover of, I think it was Please Please Me. And so we booked some studio time, and we went in with, with without much of an agenda. Uh, just more of an experience to see what it would be like and, and we recorded at the bathhouse which is in Bath just outside Kingston which is a tragically hip studio and it, was, it had a lot of vibe and it's the type of studio where you can sleep 10 people as well as record while you're there and there's a kitchen so we'd have some people in making dinner some people playing pool upstairs and uh, some people working on the tunes in the studio and it was just a really fun lifestyle for the 10 of us to do something different that wasn't on stage so we decided hey let's let's make like a whole record yeah and because we've played and performed so many different kinds of songs you know we've done 90s shows we've done 2000s shows uh, we've done a country show uh, we decided oh what if this song you know, the Beach Boys was done kind of more in the style of like the Strokes because we had just done a Strokes song. So that would be the kind of stepping off point And we just like experiment with it. And we had a lot of fun doing it. And so then we were just like, all right, well, I guess we're making a full length record now. And so <laughs> it wasn't really super planned out from the beginning. It was just something that kind of started for fun. And then we saw it to the end. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that, so I think that's really cool that you just kind of started doing it for just fun with your bandmates, and then it's like, oh, wait, we can turn this into something. That's really interesting. Personally, my favorite um, cover on that album was um, your cover of SOS, which I thought was a really great way to open it, too. Like, was that, right. um, yeah. So you started with Please Please Me, and then kind of how did it evolve from there? Like, how did you decide what cover songs, like, what songs you wanted to cover for the album? It was a, a mixed bag. We've got lots of folks in the band, and everyone's got, you know, different tastes and opinions um so i think it was just 
you know, in the rehearsal space when someone would say, what about uh, Hold Me Now? So, oh, that would be cool. Why don't we try it? Like, it was just a collaborative experience. There's so many songs in the world, so you can't, like, <laughs> it's hard to pick them. And also it was hard to go, like, what do these songs have in common that mm -hmm. kind of put them on a record together? And uh, so we just tried to balance things out between our singers and our, our band so that we were able to kind of show the strengths of everyone in the band. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we ended up with the songs we ended up with it's kind of a mystery. Just like an um, enmeshment of everything kind of put together? Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it is very representative of the tastes of the people in the band. Mm -hmm. Which, like, it also kind of makes your, um, it makes the album uniquely yours, in a sense, since these are songs that many people know since they're classic songs generally, but, like, the fact that it came together um, as a project you all equally collaborated on and you got to have that experience in the bathhouse together. It sounds like it was a long time coming, but also very worthwhile to get to sit down together and work together and get everyone's taste involved in it so like the album was very uniquely yours yeah and we'd always love more opportunities to find ourselves uh in the studio so who knows when we'll get in there again and do something but uh it's something we want to get back to at some point yeah, for sure. And that actually leads into um, another question that I had. So you are performing this Saturday at the McKinnon Brothers Brewing uh, Company, which is exciting, really exciting. So um, I did want to ask what you're most looking forward to um, with this show. And then also um, after this show, if you have any upcoming work that you would like anyone to that you would like everyone to know about. So new singles or any other live shows that you've got going on. So we're mainly a live show band. We don't do uh, really release singles or so on. That that was kind of a, a one-off that album up until now anyway but this saturday mckenna brothers farm we're doing an all 80s night mm -hmm. so we've learned a bunch of songs we've never performed before which is always really exciting in this band one of our drummers uh, mackenzie it's going to be his birthday so it, that's going to be super fun happy birthday um overall covering and performing songs from the 80s is a joy because it's a super diverse playlist the hits are all positive uh, which is fun for this band to really sink our teeth into really fun, inclusive, positive tunes. Mm -hmm. So that's what, that's what you can expect from this Saturday at McKinnon Brothers Farm. Um, and then for the rest of the summer, you know, we've got lots of fun fun things going on. Uh, Peterborough Music Fest is, uh, we've done a bunch of times. That's going to be awesome. We're back out to the Calgary Stampede. We've got a bunch of festivals, including Hamilton, which is where I live, where I'm talking to you from now. Okay. Um, and uh, some really more exciting things that we're going to unroll at some point soon. That's all. I'll just, if you want to go to DwayneGretzkyBand.com, you can stay tuned for all that. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God, that sounds um, really exciting. So, so many live shows that you you got coming up, both in Bath and then um, just around the province. So that's going to be really exciting for everyone to be able to catch. Please check out Dwayne Gretzky. And I wanted to thank you so much, Tyler, for talking with me today. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, if you're able to make it out on Saturday, we'll see you there. We'll see you there for sure. Thank you so much again to Tyler from Dwayne Gretzky for hopping on a call to talk about the band's upcoming show. You can catch Dwayne Gretzky tomorrow, June 17th, starting at 8pm at the McKinnon Brothers Brewing Company, located at 1915 County Road 22 in Bath, Ontario. Gates open at 6pm and tickets are available online for $45 at ticketscene.ca. If you need a ride to and from the venue, bus passes are also available for $17 on the same website. If you're interested in more from Dwayne Gretzky, you can listen to their music on Apple Music, Spotify, and YouTube. 
YouTube at Dwayne Gretzky 8661. And that's D W A Y N E G R E T Z K Y 8661, all lowercase. You can also visit their Instagram and Twitter at Dwayne underscore Gretzky, their Facebook at Dwayne Gretzky, and their band at Dwayne Gretzky Band.com. And that's spelled D W A Y N E. G-R-E-T-Z-K-Y on all platforms. Now stay tuned because Lauren and I have got more for you coming up next. For my next interview, Boris Baker from Casador gets into the band's newest LP release, Youth, an upcoming performance next weekend at Skeleton Park Arts Festival. These local legends are known for their tight-knit connection as a band and for their sincere rock music, shown on their most recent LP, Youth, which covers how time shapes our youth, memories, and relationships. Casador has shared the stage with Canadian greats like the Arkells and the Glorious Sons, and they're back home to give a powerful, emotionally charged performance for us at SPAF. So today I'm here with Boris Baker from um, our favorite band, Casador. So thank you so much for coming in today. Of course. I really appreciate it. So I wanted to begin, um, you have your new LP, Youth, out. So I thought it would be nice to start off with a question about that. So I wanted to ask, how did you and your bandmates decide on the theme of youth? Oh, I don't think we ever came to like a conscious decision about it. Um, we were just writing about what we were living at the time and kind of how we were feeling. And um, of course it was, I think we started writing it in like November of 2021. Mm-hmm. So there were still lockdowns. And I think that was at like the tail end of two years mm-hmm. uh, where everyone was feeling like they lost that time. Um, and it's not necessarily about like being numerically young but it's really about that feeling of like like our singer cam always says that like you're always the youngest you'll ever be mm-hmm. and like when you feel like you're losing that um you kind of have to mourn that loss a little bit um when you're you don't really feel like you're taking full advantage of the present mm-hmm. um so we're all like really feeling that when we were writing it and i think that's it just kind of happened we are just trying to be very, like, raw and honest about how we felt every song we wrote. It sounds like the r- recording process, the whole process of what you guys were doing. Of course, it took a while, but it sounds like it was kind of a build-up. It, like, it snowballed from where you began with the project. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. So, like, kind of from, like, week one um, of the pandemic, we were like, we don't know how long this is going to be. But what we can control is that we can just write. Mm. So we started writing and we didn't stop. And I would say like by November of 2021, when we started writing the record, we had written over 100 songs. Wow. Um, and apparently that was all just practice. Because <laughs> we, we connected with Brett uh, from The Glorious Sons and mm. we just like started writing new songs with him in November. And that snowballed. Like, it just all the practice before and then connecting with him and, like, really connecting, it snowballed. And by January, like, two months later, we were in the studio recording a record. Wow. Yeah. And then the, the record, it was something like three sessions for a total of 14 days. So, so it, it was pretty quick, and it was done by the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it has to be mixed and mastered, and that took us to, like, this time last year. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a matter of finding when we were going to release pieces. Okay. So it was like released gradually, obviously, with certain singles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, I know that you've worked with um, people like the Glorious Sons before, but I didn't realize that they were involved in this too. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
and it must have been really cool to get to work with them. Yeah. 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 I mean, Brett's become a really good friend, mm-hmm. um, and it's fun writing with friends that are very talented. Yeah, exactly. Especially like when you have um, a certain goal in mind and you want it to release this record, when they like are able to help you through that mm-hmm. as well. Um, so on the note about recording and everything, um, I took a listen to both Youth and uh, your previous album, Brood and Bloom. Um, both were very good, obviously. Like, oh, it was amazing. And um, I noticed that the feeling of both of the albums is a bit different. So I wanted to ask how you or any of your bandmates would compare the feeling of Youth with Brood and Bloom and if there was kind of any reason for that shift. We kind of talked about it a little bit just now. but mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like... There are probably a couple things that feel different about it, but I think youth is a little bit uh, more refined and focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that stems from just writing as much as possible and really honing an identity moving forward. And of course, it's just the one singer instead of two. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, like we did a lot of rehearsing um, as well as writing in that period. Um, and we got really tight as a band. So when we actually went to the studio, we were able to record songs completely live as a band, um, which gives it like a little bit more of an organic feel. Mm. Um, and you can like really capture a feeling by doing that, uh, as opposed to Brood and Bloom, where it was like, we're going to record one piece at a time. And like, you really put so much focus into how each thing sounds, but you can lose that kind of connection between each other while you're recording it right um so i feel like youth it was almost like capturing a feeling during the recording of the bare bones Mm -hmm. and as a result we didn't feel like we needed to add all these bells and whistles like there's only there's keyboard on less than half the record and Mm -hmm. um i mean most of it's just drums bass guitars and vocals really bare bones Mm -hmm. so and you mentioned that before like um part of um youth and the process of making it was about being honest Mm -hmm. so definitely the like the difference between those two you you can hear it and you can like you can listen to it as well both are amazing but um you can definitely like tell that um that shift from both of them yeah Yeah. thank you yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's good no it's great um and um the fact that you've been able to evolve as a band, grow closer together, and also be able to kind of express that with the music that you're making, that must also feel quite meaningful to you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, like there's, uh, I think everybody the last couple of years has found that there's a lot to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just having good friends that you make music with is pretty special. And I think we all appreciate that a lot. Yeah, especially the kind of music that you guys make, the very um, emotional and raw music. It's very meaningful to be able to, um, it's like when you're with friends, having deep conversations generally, those are very impactful. So to be able to create something kind of through those, maybe not in the same way, but sort of like um, with what you guys were experiencing at the time, similar to a lot of us were like generally experiencing at the time and to be able to make an art out of that as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. 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 No, totally. Um, I mean, it's definitely an outlet for us, and if it can be an outlet for anybody, that's very special to us. Exactly. I wanted to close off by asking what kind of tone you guys wanted to set for um, your show at um, SPAF. We want to make it an exciting show, mm-hmm. kind of start to finish. Um, I think it's like Cam's really excited for it, and I, I think he'll have some stories to tell on stage. Yeah, we'll want it to be really exciting, but we're also going to want to like. 
know, keep with that like sense of community mm -hmm. that Skeleton Park is really fostering. The f I, ha I actually haven't been to the festival before, but I'm sure it's going to be like a very safe space for people mm -hmm. um, to just like enjoy themselves and maybe meet people that are like minded. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like definitely looking to like foster that as well. For sure. And especially I think like it just seems like a very open place to be anyway, you mm -hmm. know, with like um, the kinds of performers that are going such as you guys and just like the community as well. I wanted to say thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate your time. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you so much again to Boris Baker from Casador for being here to talk about Casador's most recent release, Youth, and their upcoming show at Skeleton Park Arts Festival. You can catch Casador next Saturday, June 24th from 5 to 6 p.m. at Skeleton Park, which is also known as McBurney Park, which is located at 30 Alma Street. You can also see them next Sunday, June 25th, starting at 7 p.m. at Daft Brewing, located at 768 Princess Street, where they will be featured alongside other SPAF artists for SPAF's After Party. More information about their show and SPAF can be found at skeletonparkartsfest.ca. To listen to Casador's new LP, Youth, you can stream their music on Apple Music and Spotify by searching K-A-S-A-D-O-R. For more from Casador, head over to their Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Casador Band. You can also visit their Facebook page at Casador or their website at CasadorBand.com. Now keep on listening because Lauren chats with Greg Tilson from Skeleton Park Arts Festival up next. Thanks so much, Mary. We've got one more interview coming up because now is a great time to start planning your weekend at the Skeleton Park Arts Festival next weekend from June 21st to 25th. All festival programming is free and full of amazing and varied programs like film screenings, drum circles, yoga, dance workshops, an artisan fair, food vendors, mural making, and of course, plenty of awesome live music performances from artists like the Lemon Bucket Orchestra, Casador, Alex Cuba, Kyoko Agoda, Arico, and much more. CFRC sat down with SPAF organizer Greg Tilson to chat about the upcoming festival. Take a listen. Listeners, we are here with Greg Tilson, Artistic Director of the upcoming Skeleton Park Arts Festival here at CFRC. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me, Lauren. We're really excited for the upcoming festival and to have you here. Cool. So Skeleton Park Arts Festival, as you would know, of course, has been ongoing for a number of years now. But to start off, for folks who are new to town, mm -hmm. less familiar, could you walk us through the festival and what you do as an organization? Yeah, sure. So yeah, you're right. It's been happening this going to be our 18th festival wow. so it's, it's been happening for quite a while we're primarily like a, a, a summer solstice celebration that, ha okay. that happens uh, in a park called McBurney Park which is the folk name is Skeleton Park uh, just north of downtown Kingston uh, kind of at the end of Clergy Street um, but over the years it's grown into a multi-arts organization still very grassroots like all about the neighborhood and the community it's a charitable organization but now you'll see us doing things like a neighborhood newspaper called the Skeleton Press and a concert series, a free concert series, uh, you know, public art installations and that kind of thing, like all yeah. year round. So it's, it's really grown, and, and it, but it's still at the heart of, uh, of the mandate is building community through the art. As you said, this is 18 years mm. and you've become an established event in the community. Mm -hmm. So as an organization now, what is your thought process going into each new year? For me personally, um, I'm always interested in just what, what are the current needs of the community mm -hmm. or, the, or the Skeleton Park neighborhood in particular. Say Thursday, June 22nd, the second night of programming of the festival, the festival actually goes to the Integrated Care Hub um, okay. on, on Montreal Street. And so, yeah, just to the point of the needs of the community, like right now, as everyone knows, 
um, addictions, uh, mental health crises, uh, uh, the problems with, with housing that, that we're struggling with as a city. They're just, those are the topics that everyone's talking about. Right. And so, yeah, we kind of, as a festival, uh, wanted to support a new program that the Integrated Care Hub's doing that's trying to inter- introduce um, um, regular music and arts programming on site there. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. And there's a woman, um, uh, Kelly McIsaac, who's heading up that program. And we just said, you know, how can we help? And, yeah. and so uh, she found that she was able to, to promote this event that um to a broader audience mm-hmm. and and hopefully bring people onto site in a way that raises awareness about those essential services that they're providing there right. but in the in an environment of music so there's going to be a, a a big drumming circle led by Jessica uh Rivera Belsham and um there'll be a free barbecue and our hope is just to have this like music environment where clients staff neighbors members of the public are all um, making music together. Yeah. And I want to make just a special uh, side note that because of the nature of the services they provide there, especially with regards to addictions and mental health, like it, it probably is not a suitable place for children. Okay. Um, but um, we just we want to welcome the general public just to come and check it out and, 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 and better understand how important those services are. Absolutely. That is fantastic to hear. I saw that on the program, but it's it's great to hear more about Some it because it, yeah. Yeah, it piqued my interest and I was wondering, you know, what that was going to look like. There was sort of that prevailing way that you and your colleagues wanted to approach and curate this year's programming. Mm. Was Is that a big conversation at the beginning of the year or does that kind of happen as you move throughout your day to day and hear what, what the needs are? Yeah, great question again. I think, um, like, for those of you that don't know me, like, I'm a, a identify as a white male settler. And so, you know, my perspective is very limited. And um, so that in, in answer to your question, the importance of, of partnering with other organizations and and people that that, that better represent, like, a, a diverse spectrum of the, the neighborhood and right. the community is really important. And so we've had success, for example... Uh, working with Keys, um, new, new new immigrants, and uh, the Kingston Catarocco Kingston Indigenous Languages Nest. You know, I mentioned the Integrated Care Hub, um, and so I think these types of, of partnerships really help us program in a way that 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 connects us with with more people. Yeah, like we're. I mean, full disclosure, like we're primarily like a, a like a white settler organization. If you look at mm-hmm. the cross section of our our volunteers, but I think it's becoming more and more diverse because of those partnerships. Right. Yeah. And so, and we're, we're being quite intentional with it. Um, you know, like this year, um, working with, uh, three things, indigenous consulting, okay. um, who's helping us with our opening night of Leanne Bedas Samose uh, Simpson, um, who's going to be performing at the screening room. And, uh, also we're working with grandmother, Kathy Brandt, who's going to be on site, throughout the festival um kind of offering her knowledge and and introducing and welcoming artists and so we're also like um inviting uh indigenous artists to participate jacoda um cardinal and dakota ward are doing this amazing mural on the street we're going to close one of the couple of the streets and artists, including Dakota and Jaylene, are going to paint on the street oh, wow. permanent murals uh, surrounding the park. And uh, and we're also, you know, trying to invite 
especially indigenous folks to sit on our on our um, uh, board of directors and so again this is just me from my perspective like these initiatives are just super important to to bring a, a programming perspective from many different types of people and, yeah. es- and especially like to learn from marginalized folks who maybe don't have the same access to, to community arts as someone like myself does. Right. Yeah, for sure. That is so awesome to hear about all those partnerships that are happening. And I'm sure I can't wait to see those murals. That sounds really Thanks. fantastic. Um, yeah, that really carries in nicely to something else I was looking to ask you. Um, one thing I find makes Skeleton Park Arts Festival so noteworthy is how community oriented and accessible and environmentally minded your your goals are Mm -hmm. what do you think is the role the festival can play in furthering this inclusivity and access to the arts locally we still uh stay true to um trying to program everything for free Mm -hmm. so that you know as it these times are are more and more financially challenging for so many folks and so just to have these options for free programming is, yeah. is, is great and we and like I was, just, I was saying earlier trying to kind of like be out and about like taking the, the music and the art to to places instead of waiting for for audience to come to us yeah so you know whether it's like a, a parade through the streets and having performances on people's front porches which is something we do it's called the porch jazz parade um uh or you know trying to move around the community there's a there's a new an exciting new uh, arts venue called the Broom Factory. I don't know yes. if you've probably heard of it and yeah. talked a lot about it on CFRC. Um, but we're going to have a night of, of dance, you okay. know, along with our multi-arts approach here on Friday, June 23rd. And that's with Movement Market. Um, and uh, and so getting back to your, your alluding to the environmental aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, that is really important that, that we... Uh, try to um, create a garbage free festival and, right. and that that's something that's you know maybe maybe more popular than the artists is, is our, how our volunteers are able to literally create like less than one bag of garbage for the entire weekend wow. thousands of audiences but our volunteers work really hard with our food vendors um, like Mia Gelato, Knifey Spoonie uh, Patreon Coffee and Miss Bow this year is a new one that's going to okay, join us. Cool. And and really like making sure that they're creating um, next to no packaging yeah. or whatever packaging can be composted or recycle, recycled. But beyond that, the best method, as we all know, is reduction. Mm-hmm. So for anyone listening that's thinking of coming to the festival and may want to, you know, grab a beverage or uh, something to eat on site. Bring your own utensils. You okay, know, like yeah. Bring some a reusable coffee mug, uh, some cups, some utensils, and plates. What are some highlights of this year's festival that you think listeners can look forward to, and anything they should know before they go? Yeah, cool. Uh, well, I, I mentioned just that that you know uh, that safety and safe space issue with regarding to the integrated care hub drumming circle, right? Um, and I mentioned the the dance event by Movement Market on Friday, June twenty third. That's a first come, first serve. So these events are very popular, and so it's a good idea to come early. Um, that you know, square dance, you can dance. Uh, there'll be there will be dance workshops with Movement uh, uh, Market at the at the festival, and then you can join the the uh, the porch jazz parade for some choreographed dance. So lot lots of ways to really get involved popular acts like the local band Casador five o'clock on June 24th they're they're really popular and uh the last act on 
uh, the last two acts on Sunday, June 25th, there's a, uh, a band called Ombegazi um, out of Montreal. Um, Daniel yeah. Monkman and Adam Sturgeon, they also play in Status, Non-Status, and Zune. Okay. P- Polaris nominees, indigenous folks out of, out of that area in Montreal. And they'll be performing at 3 o'clock. And then um, the last act, uh, Sunday, June 25th in the park, is Alex Cuba who's uh, really popular in this in, in this area. And, and then you can go to the, the Daft Brewing After Party, which will be an, a really nice way to wind down the evening with unplugged performances by Casador, the Codas, Princess Towers, and Emily Steele on the deal. And that's all at 768 Princess Street, 7 o'clock till 9 o'clock. Sunday, June 25th, as the, for the festival after party. The Skeleton Park Arts Festival runs from June 21st to 25th in Skeleton Park. All programming is free. Some events are advanced registration recommended or first come, first serve. So visit skeletonparkartsfest.ca for full festival information to plan your weekend. And again, thank you so much for your time here, Greg. Thank you so much, Lauren. That does it for us on the Kingston Curator for this week, but remember that you can check out this and all past episodes on our CFRC podcast feed. Be sure to tune in next week, Fridays at 3 p.m. for your creative scoop. This is Lauren Tucker with Mary McKetty signing off on 101.9 FM CFRC. Have a fantastic weekend.